What is up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Official Visit, a podcast about college baseball recruiting by players for players. I'm Joe Jimenez, and this episode is brought to you by Hyped Apparel. If you guys are looking for some athleisure gear for the holidays, it's not too late to check out Hyped. Super comfortable clothing, joggers, shorts, shirts, so much stuff you can go check out at their website, uh, which will be in the podcast description. And you can also get 15% off your entire order with the code official visit. Hyped Apparel, what gets you hyped? Today's episode, we have my friend Logan Hoffman. Logan was a Pirates fifth round pick this year, and, and this dude's a stud. Um, he had some great numbers in the Cape, uh, leading to his selection as a Cape Cod League All-Star in 2019. And he was also killing it in 2020. He had uh, He hadn't uh, let up a single earned run in 28 innings pitched in 2020 before the season got canceled. Um, in this episode, Logan talks about his journey from Saskatchewan, Canada, um, being an undersized pitcher going to Colby Community College in Kansas before transferring to Northwestern State University, which is in Louisiana. Um, guys, biggest thing I see with Logan's story is just how hard he's worked to get to where he is now. Um, being around about instructs, you know, he's not the biggest guy, the strongest guy. Um, but he knows his strengths, he knows his weaknesses, and he definitely plays to his strengths. So um, we hope you guys enjoy it. As always, go check out our Instagram and Twitter, and feel free to send us any questions via DM or email. Um, so let's go. Logan, thank you so much for coming on, man. How you doing? Doing good. How are you doing? I'm doing really well. So uh, let's start with your high school career. Um, you know, Tell us what it was like growing up in Canada. How do, how do I pronounce your hometown and province? Uh, it's Munster, and the province I'm from is Saskatchewan. Munster. So can you tell us what it's like growing up in Munster and, like, how big baseball was um, in your hometown? I mean, it's big. Uh, obviously, I'm from a town. Uh, it's 450 people, so it's not – I mean, not like other places where you got tons of baseball fields and everything, mm-hmm. but – I think we have four we have four baseball fields right in the middle of town so it's like the focal point i guess of the town baseball in the summer here is huge you go you go walk by the fields uh during the summer guaranteed every night there's kids out there there's a practice going on a game going on uh no matter how cold warm it is out there'll be people out there so uh baseball in the summer here is, is um more popular than people think yeah, I'd actually have to agree with that. I mean, I played in – obviously, our listeners, our constant listeners know. I, I played in Thunder Bay in the woods, and, and I was surprised because, I mean, obviously, like, they love their hockey, but it was really cool to see how many young people in Canada and then Thunder Bay especially were were um, were playing ball. It, it really was cool to see that. But, um, you know, Logan, were you thinking – obviously, professional baseball as well, but, like, were you thinking of college baseball – in high school already like was that on your mind I would say probably yeah end of my sophomore early junior year is really when um baseball kind of took off for me and when I started to think uh I actually had a chance to play college because before I mean I don't think I was the best player on the team even then I don't, didn't think I was the best player on the team I thought it was decent so but I, I really started to enjoy it more and wanted to move on to the next level Gotcha. And what were you, what were you looking for in a college at that time? Just a place that honestly I could play at first of all, because didn't have a lot of offers, but uh, a place where the coaches um, 
they care about the players. Uh, I don't want to say more than winning, but they care just as much. Uh, they don't want to make everybody robots and um, make everybody do the same thing, mm-hmm. uh, screw up, just go run or, or stuff like that. So uh, I think that's a place, uh, Colby, where I did go. Where mm-hmm. uh, I mean, we'll talk about it later, but that's that's exactly what I got and exactly what I was looking for in a college. Absolutely. And I have to ask this question because, I mean, me and you are both smaller guys, but, you know, I seen you on the draft stuff before I'd met you. Everyone's like, yeah, like good fastball, 90-91. I was like, okay. And then you go to instructs and yeah, you're 90-91, but you're also hitting fours and fives, which is really cool. But I mean, it's not like if you, if you were a guy with, without many offers coming out of Canada, I mean, how hard were you throwing in high school and how big were you in high school? Uh, fall of my senior year, I was, I guess, same height as I was now, like five, nine, about, <laughs> uh, about 165 pounds and fall of my senior year, I was like 81, 82, maybe touch an 83. So mm-hmm. about 10 miles an hour I was, or 10 miles an hour less than I am now. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of a jump. And then I guess summer of my senior year leading up to, uh, my freshman year of college is when I kind of made a jump. I was 84, 87, and a couple of weeks before college, um, 86, 88. So it. it was a little bit of a jump. So how did you first start talking to, to Colby? Uh, it was the fall of my senior year, actually. Um, there's a tournament in Alberta, which is the province next to Saskatchewan. And it was October, uh, October of my senior year, so it was kind of cold up here and Colby the Colby head coach came up there and watched me pitch and I mean that day I didn't think I was good I didn't think I was bad but I mean I was 165 pounds throwing 82 so not a lot of colleges are looking for that but uh I guess they liked what they saw and they gave me a chance so I mean hey projectability that's that's (laughs) the name of the game right exactly that that coach had had a hell of an eye to see where you are right now (laughs) But um, yeah, let's go into the your time at Colby. Um, you mentioned you loved how you know they didn't want to make you robots, and and they kind of let you like was it basically like they let you you know develop yourself in the sense that like you have to coach yourself in order to get to the next level or like you know becoming your own best coach and you know what you need to do to to make yourself better was that kind of how it was like uh I would say yes and no they I I mean they didn't change a lot with us they like when we did go out there and we had questions I mean they were there to answer they were great resource provided everything we needed but like I said they didn't as soon as I got on the mound they weren't like you have to do this this way Mm -hmm. Uh, change your mechanics like this um which was great they they actually took the time to like watch and uh, go over stuff with you and sit down with you, make adjustments. So um, that's exactly what I wanted in a coach was um, somebody who I could just sit down with and talk about baseball, even if it's not about, I guess, myself. Um, but no, it was, they did a really great job with everybody there. And how did you know? I mean, we talk about the whole, like, some JUCOs are, are there to win. And, you know, that's how they get guys out because they have that reputation of winning. And then 
there are some JUCOs that it's like, yeah, it's all about development of the players. And I do think those things go hand in hand. But what was it that made you feel like, hey, like, this is where I want to be because they care about the players so much? Like, what was it that that coach said to you that was like, yeah, like, I really like what's happening down at Colby? It was, I mean, a mixture of both those things. Uh, they went from last place in the, I think eighth actually out of 10 in the conference to actually winning the conference the year before I got there. So um, that, and they had a guy drafted, I think a year or two before I got there in like the 11th round out of junior college, which is pretty good. So um, it was both, they had player development um, it, and they, they won games. So, I mean, that's exactly what I wanted. And mm-hmm. uh, I mean, the coach just, he, he said whatever he said he went through with it's not like he said something and right. um i guess didn't do it like if he said we're gonna get this for you guys to help you guys i don't know hit better pitch better whatever plow balls he got it for us and that's just what i really appreciated about that place logan what was it like moving away to to kansas i mean from home like how big of an adjustment was that because on this podcast like we always talk about you know i had a tough time you know first time like as a freshman you're living by yourself like you're cooking your own meals or you know it's just a complete change of scenery um and yeah we talk about this all the time with it's very hard to be i guess a mature freshman or or someone that's going to thrive you know how was that adjustment for you your freshman year at colby Honestly, a lot easier than I thought. Uh, I was I was young. I was 17 when I went to college. So, I mean, I was, I, was, I guess, younger than most kids when they move off to college. But um, Kansas and where I'm from are pretty similar. Uh, and I guess the lifestyle is kind of easygoing. Uh, the landscape, uh, everything's pretty similar. But um, the biggest thing at Colby is what it, what made it comfortable was there was like 17 other Canadians there my freshman year oh, really? and we all lived in the dorms it was a the farthest walk to another guy's place was two minutes so I mean we were all so close together yeah. um, closest team I've ever been a part of still to this day uh, everybody got along really well there's so I mean that's really what made it easy was the group of guys that's awesome that, that really is awesome and I think that's baseball supposed to be fun but that's like and it is fun, obviously, but a huge part of that is just like who you're playing with and how close you are with the team. It's a For huge sure. part. Um, kind of off-topic question, but is Eric Sim a Colby legend? He is, yeah. I, uh, I've i never met him, actually, but uh, he went there after I left to uh, NSU, and everybody says he's he's as cool as he is in person as he is on Twitter, so definitely a Colby legend. I can imagine that his Twitter, his Twitter is unbelievable, but, um, (laughs) you know, at your time at Colby, I mean, like just going through your profile and seeing your stats, like you, you went off, like it's the accolades were, were frankly unbelievable. Um, didn't you set like the strikeout record or something? Yeah, Yeah. I did 230 in my two years. That's, that's (laughs) insane. But, um, how much did that open doors for you um, after your time at Colby? I mean, like, I guess, how, how did you end up at Northwestern State? Uh, yeah. So, actually, first off, 
the only thing I let the only stat I led the country in my freshman year, I led in home runs allowed. Gave up <laughs> my freshman year, so I gotta throw that out there. Uh gotta love playing in Kansas as a pitcher. But uh how I ended up at NSU, um the pitching coach actually at Colby. He my fir- my freshman year was his first year there. Uh-huh. Uh, pitched at NSU like okay. three or four years prior. So um it was the same head coach at NSU as when he was there, I believe, um, or he was the assistant at the time, but uh, that was the connection there. Gotcha. And, and what was a big, um, you know, what was the big decision or like the big factor in that, in your decision to, to go to Northwestern state? Was it that, was it that connection? I mean, like who else were you talking to at that point? Because with your stat line, like you had to have other offers, right? Yeah, actually, I talked to quite a few teams uh, following my sophomore year. I only had one Power 5 offer, so mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like I had tons of big schools talking to me, but I had quite a few, I guess, mid-majors. And um, really, my final three were University of Kansas, Southeastern Louisiana, and Northwestern State. Those mm-hmm. are the three schools I went on visits to. Uh, but um really what it came down to was NSU kind of just felt like a bigger version of my junior college mm-hmm. I guess so the coaches cared about their players and same thing they were they were pretty I guess lenient they weren't making us robots and I tell us every podcast I do I mean Colby was the best two years of my life by far so mm-hmm. I can't I can't say anything bad about that place yeah other than food sometimes wasn't wasn't great but uh that's a lot of schools for you, but yeah. uh, that's really what I was looking for. Just a, I guess, a bigger version of Colby. Hey guys, just wanted to take this time to talk about our guys at Chin Music. Chin Music is our favorite bat decal company, which allows you to create fully customizable bat decals for any of your bats. It's something I use. I have a bunch of bat decals I've gotten from um, from their owner Coop. Um, they're awesome for players at any level, and would be the perfect gift for any player during this holiday season. Uh, you guys can get 20% off your entire order with the code official chin music, your bat, your story. Now back to the interview. Now I have to ask you this. Did your viewpoint on colleges change from when you were in high school versus when you were at Colby, like in terms of like, you know, like what I wanted, because, you know, like when we talk to so many different guys, it's like. Yeah, like, you know, at first I wanted a D1. I was like D1 or bust, and then that changed. And, like, you look at Twitter, and it's like, you know, you see all these kids committing. And I swear, like, some of them just do it for the social media. And that's just part of it. But um, I think there's a level of maturity where you, like, kind of just, like, you know, what's best for me rather than, like, what's going to look the best um, Mm. to other people about me or for me. But did your viewpoint on colleges change as as you grew older? Uh, I would say I learned more about, mm-hmm. I guess, colleges and it didn't really change, but I was more educated on, on what I wanted. So, I mean, my time at Col, uh, I guess being recruited by Colby helped me, um, in being recruited by, uh, NCAA schools out of Colby. So right. kinda, I guess the scenario there. And for me, like, I just want a place where I'm going to get a chance to play. Uh, where the coaches care and where they have a chance to win. I mean, I don't, I don't really care about having nice facilities and all that as long as I got what I need as a pitcher. I don't need a big stadium or big indoor. I mean, yeah. that's kind of, I guess, the person I am. But that's 
that's how uh, my viewpoint, I guess, being recruited by colleges didn't really change, but more knowledgeable about it. I mean, I think that just shows a huge level of maturity right there. You know, like even, even when you were in high school, you know, like I'm going to go to the place that's best for me of, you know, what it looks like on social media. And I think that's huge. And I mean, I wish that's, that's something that more people would really take from that. Um, So let's talk about your time at Northwestern state. Um, Again, the success just keeps going. Um, I guess my first question is at that point, were you like, yeah, like I'm going to play professional baseball. Like, you know, you go off your junior year and you're just like, yeah, let's do this. Like I can, I can definitely do this. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I almost didn't even go to NSU because after my sophomore year at Colby, I drafted by the Cardinals in the mm-hmm. 35th round, but mm-hmm. it was, I was, it, it took me actually to like the last day of like the signing period or whatever. Um, finally to decide that I'm going back to NSU or I'm going to go to NSU. Mm-hmm. So it was a tough decision, but I mean, it worked out for me. And after I guess my four starts of spring is really, I, I mean, I thought that the time is 40 rounds. I'm like, okay, I'm for sure going to get drafted. And then it got, or then they were talking about cutting it to 10 and I was like, all right, I think I still have a chance. Um, and then five rounds, I was like, Oh God, uh, that's really that was- when they settled in, even though, I knew I couldn't have done anything better mm-hmm. uh, spring to, I guess, help my draft stock. So, I mean, at that point, it's really out of my hands. Right. Gotcha. And you went off in the Cape. I mean, how big of an experience was that for you? And, I mean, I'm going to be honest. Like, I didn't know Northwestern State before I met you. Like, it's it's not one of those big schools you hear about. Um, how does a, a guy from a small school get to the Cape? Um, was it a full contract too? It was actually, so it was after Colby. So I actually didn't even play at NSU that yet until okay. going into the Cape. But um, the assistant coach on the team I played for in the Cape, Falmouth, uh, coached at Colby the year before I got there. Okay, So that was the connection. And got it wasn't it. like May that I found out I was going there. It's like a month before. And they have their roster set. I mean, like yeah. now pretty much for next year. So a junior college kid going in there, I was on a temp contract. And then my first like two or three outings, I had like nine punch outs and one run in like six innings. So I was like, all right, hopefully they keep me around. And then some guys were getting sent home and I was kind of nervous because I didn't know if I was going to stay or go. Mm -hmm. And then really the time up there when I was like, all right, I'm going to stay was (laughs) when I made the all-star game. That was, that was when I was like, all right, I hope, I think they should keep me around now (laughs) for the rest of the summer. But, uh, the Cape definitely was a big uh, thing and leading into even this year's draft, uh, pitching in front of scouts and I guess against the best hitters in the country every single yeah. night. Yeah, I mean, your your Cape numbers against, you know, draft prospects, like it's it was absurd to see that and look back at that. Um, all right, so let's fast forward to, I mean, this past year, 2020, what a crazy year it's been, but – you know, season gets canceled. You kind of mentioned it already. You're just kind of like uh, 10 rounds, I don't know, and then five rounds. You know, walk us through draft day a little bit. Yeah, it was pretty nervous. I mean, the, actually that morning, got up, went and threw at the field in my hometown, which is like mm-hmm. a two-minute walk from my house. <laughs> so I walked down there, threw, and kind of just hung out for a little bit. And then uh, 
came home right before lunch and I didn't eat anything the whole day <laughs> until I got drafted actually a couple of phone calls that day and then um leading into actually hearing my name called uh I got a phone call saying like the pirates are going to take you uh in I think it was like two picks bef- before mm-hmm. so it was like the longest 10 minutes of my life actually waiting till I saw my name on the tv and when I did it was just I mean I I can't really put it into words, the excitement right. uh, and the amount of food I ate after. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's, uh, it's always interesting. It's, you know, listening to guys talk about their draft day experience. I mean, I was, I was with Nick and I swear just, I mean, he got picked pretty early that day. But yeah. Just like even that for everyone felt like forever. I swear we were just glued on that. TV. Time goes so slow. <laughs> yeah. So slow. But, um, look, I want to get more into, you know, your development. So mm-hmm. you're a smaller guy and it's, it's really just fascinating to see how hard you throw a damn ball, but you know, what, what, what was it like? What, what clicked, you know, how much work do you put into to pitching and, and your craft. Like, I think one of the biggest things about doing this podcast is I don't think people realize how hard people work to get to where they are. And it was one of the things my coach told me at Chapman. It was like, you don't know how hard you can work until you like set your goals really high. Like that's the whole reason you set goals high. Right. But, um, and it's like every year I develop, it's like I'm working harder and harder, but you know, what were, the, what were the biggest pieces of development for you um, throughout your career? Like, what were the biggest turning points, I guess? Well, one, I guess going to Colby was the biggest one for me. They introduced me, I mean, to, I guess, I, I started to do, like, plow balls and, mm-hmm. I guess, uh, more of a throwing program there rather mm-hmm. than just playing catch. So I built up arm strength. Um, going into Colby, I was, like, hundred. 67 pounds or something so and then by by the time I left I was like 183 184 so I put on like 15 pounds mm-hmm. 15 20 pounds um I mean I it was just them pushing me to uh the next goal I guess like I'd set a goal I want to whatever hit 89 this inner squad or hit 90 and then the next one hit 91 or um whatever have throw three pitches for strikes whatever it was, it was just constantly setting new goals and the guys pushing you as well as being in Colby. It's a pretty small town, so there's not a lot to do, but right. uh, pretty much the only things I did there for two years was my homework worked out and baseball practice. So it was, there's not much else you can do and I'm not complaining, but it was, it was a good time to say the least being around the guys all the time and even guys on the team pushing you to, uh, try and beat the next guy. They, it was never, uh, I guess, bitter that someone else is doing better than you. Is it mm-hmm. guys being happy for you if you're doing successful? Where I've seen it on even some of the teams I've played on, some guy does good and guys are they're mad about him doing good, even though they might have not done as much work as that guy. So right. I mean, it's it it I guess um, changes at every level, but. The, that was the biggest thing there was constantly being pushed to that next level and um, just getting stronger and learning more about the game. 
Right. And Logan, I mean, you've literally had success at every level you've been to. Um, you know, does that ever get, did that ever get in your head or were you just kind of like, okay, I like reached the checkpoint in my life or checkpoint slash goal in my life, but it's just kind of to the next one. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of, I guess what we talked about, uh, with Bernie and our, in our mental, yeah. class, mental training. But, uh, for me, it's just setting little goals along the way rather than just one big one in the future. And then you skip things along the way, uh, trying to get to that big goal. So, I right. mean, for little things at every level, I want to be, I want to be the best pitcher on the team, no matter what level I'm on. Um, that's just, I guess, put it, putting it simple, but, uh, going into that, like a lot of people think you just got to work out and throw a lot, but one of the biggest things that's helped me, uh, as I've progressed on each level is watching, um, video of myself, video of other guys, um, just like talking to other players, even hitters talking about sequences and different counts and like what they're expecting. Because for me, um, I don't want to say I don't overpower guys. Cause I mean, I feel like I can at times, mm -hmm. uh, it's just throwing pitches in any count that um, hitters aren't expecting. Cause obviously you get 0 and 2, a lot of guys are going to expect either a curveball in the dirt or a high fastball. So it's kind of, you want to keep the hitter on edge. And that's right. one of the biggest things for me that's helped me at each level. How about the, uh, the incorporation of, of rap Soto into your game? I mean, that's a, I think we have this conversation. I feel like I've had this conversation with a lot of people of, you know, the balance between, you know, having a good feel of things without rap Soto, but also using rap Soto to your advantage. Yeah, um, it's, and I think it's, yeah. And I think it's some, like you are someone who I think uses it the right way where it's like, Hey, like, you know, I felt this on this pitch. Like I want to see the spin rate, you know, like mm -hmm. I want to see like exactly what I'm doing. And this is where I think it comes to being a student of the game where I see you, you know, I can see you going really far is where like you have the ability to like really look at yourself as objectively as possible and see like, Hey, like this is what I need to work on. Um, and like, this is what I need to do to get better. Um, so basically when did you like start really using rap Soto and, and learn about that aspect of, of player development? Actually, we had it at Colby, mm -hmm. uh, my freshman year. So as soon as we got there, it's kind of, we started using that um, and it's a huge tool, uh, I guess, to see what you did good, even on specific pitches. The worst is when coaches, they have a rap soto and say a guy throws a pitch and a uh, guy asks and then they go, well, just keep pitching or you can look at it after. I don't, I don't understand that. I never will because if you don't know what you did good or bad on that pitch, how are you going to make an adjustment to the mm -hmm. next one, to the next bullpen? So, um Rap soda is huge if you have it. I mean, I don't know why you wouldn't use it because it can only help you. So for me, especially because um, I guess a, I'm more of a spin rate guy than I guess a velo guy compared to other people. So mm -hmm. that's that's one of the biggest things for me. I want to know each pitch, um, what what I did good, what I could do better. Absolutely, and I mean that's. That's how you progress, right? Learning your strengths, learning your weaknesses. And it's just another tool for guys. But, um, no, Logan, we can start wrapping this up. But, I mean, is there any lasting advice you'd give to high schoolers or people that are getting recruited right now 
um, or things that you kind of wish you knew going through the process that you can look back at and you're like, yeah, like this was a huge part of, of where I am today. And I wish I knew this a little earlier. Mm -hmm. Uh, I would say the biggest advice to high schoolers is don't rush committing to a school and don't just commit because maybe it's a D one or it's your dream school. Like if you're good enough to play there, uh, I mean, you'll play. If not, you don't need to commit when you're 14 years old because a lot of guys that do that end up going to a different school anyways, or I don't know, scholarships are pulled. I don't know how a lot of that works because mm -hmm. I didn't really deal with that because I committed my senior year. So uh, I would say the biggest thing is go to a place that wants you and where you're going to get a chance to play. Um, make a checklist of, I guess I did it in high school and even college getting recruited by places make a check checklist in like order of importance, what's most important to you, what's least important to you at colleges and um, try and be the best player on the team and good things will happen. I love it. Love every part of it. Thanks again, Logan. It's been, yeah, it's been awesome to have you on.